welcome to Renford Rewatch. This is Series 1, Episode 6, entitled The Best Medicine. It was written by Chris Wilson with story editing by Patrick Buckley. I'm joined once again by Luke. Welcome back, Luke. What are your memories from back in the day of seeing this episode? I remember bits about it. I remember a lot of the camera work. I remember a lot of... St Stuart was my, one of my favourite characters. And this is a more Stuart-centric episode. Yes. But I can't remember too much about it. It wasn't one of them that stands out. Uh, I'd, I think what they call it is filler. But um, it wasn't an episode that stood out for me as one of the classics of the reject selection. I felt the opposite, actually. I think this is, a, this is like a hidden classic. And a lot of things in this episode have stuck in my mind over the years, as we shall get into. So, uh, we fade up on Stuart walking across the field. The rejects are training. Stuart says he's been to the physio. His ligaments are okay, but he says they said something strange. Jason pulls Stuart's jacket open to reveal a Chelsea badge. He makes a joke. Um, Stuart, then very deadpan, says... It's been said that he should laugh more. The rejects tell a few jokes, um, but Stuart doesn't find them funny. He violently zips up his jacket and talks about tactics. Do you remember the name of the uh, of the particular tactic he was talking about? Brazilian permutation. Yeah, that's, it. that's the word. I can't tell you what permutation means. <laughs> I did look it up, but I've forgotten now. And I think maybe that's that's the thing. Normally, you'd use like formation or something in that. Uh, it kind of shows how how kind of dry Stuart is at this point. I think it also shows how dedicated he is. He's really going for it. He's looking to his Brazilian tactics. I've never even heard of him. But again, it shows how dedicated Stuart is to the job and how undedicated the rest of the rejects are who just sit and don't pay any attention to poor old Stuart. Exactly. And and before that, I love the way that the rejects all zip up to kind of show, hey, we're going to concentrate. And then obviously the um, opening titles begins and you see Jason slowly edge out and that zany music starts, the music that indicates something weird is about to happen. And so the rejects start larking about. Bruno school, uh, scores a goal with his shirt up. Uh, Robin does a cartwheel. And there, there's a little bit of punnery going on in there. Um, they're obviously messing about. They're not listening. Stuart is still um, doing his thing. And they are discussing how they celebrate goals. And Ben says he should be consulted about how they celebrate goals. I mean, do you, ever th do you think any um, team has ever consulted a goalkeeper about how they celebrate goals? Not quite sure. I'm not quite sure, but I do remember celebrating goals as a kid and actually literally practicing them. Um, that I, I used to do the the old Klinsman, the Ravinelli, like Bruno, pulling the shirt over the head, and the Roberto Di Matteo's famous one from the 97 FA Cup final. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember that, and it, it made me laugh because... Uh, you just see them going through all the, all the different celebrations. It's just a fun, a lot of physical comedy in this episode. A lot of physical comedy and a lot of dancing. A lot of dancing, some cartwheels, some very bizarre celebrations. I know, and the fact that they hardly ever cut away either. 
So all this is happening as it is. Um, and so, yeah, what you see is Ben being told that he's never scored a goal. So obviously he can't celebrate one. And then um, is, is it that Ben takes a run up and then he falls flat on his face? He's told by Jason that he looks like a worm. And he says, at least I evolved from the dirt. There's a lot of weird, like, mate, push and shove kind of fun ribbing in this episode. There's a lot. Of, I think I didn't realize before this maybe how much ribbing goes on between Jason and Ben. Yeah. Um, but Ben gives just as much as he gets. He might give it back in a very, I guess, a uh, bit more mature way than her, uh, Jason. But I never realized them two have quite a bit of banter between them. There is a cracking line later in this episode, which we shall get to. Um, Stuart catches them, um, practicing how to celebrate goals and asks what they're doing. Uh, Robin says they're practicing their goal celebrations. Stuart calls them mad, then points out they've scored two goals in the last 30 games, and one of them was an own goal. He says they need to concentrate on skill, stamina, and fitness. It doesn't matter about the celebration, he says. And the rejects get caught up in the debate again. Um, Stuart tells them to shut up and listen to what he says, and if they don't, they can find themselves a new coach. The rejects make that noise and then tell him to lighten up. Uh, following this scene, the VTV starts, that familiar match of the day theme um, that is always ringing in my ears, I think, long after I've heard it. Um, Vinny says, good evening, I'm Sports View, and today on Vinny Rodriguez. A little bit of wordplay. Unexpected. And I guess it kind of shows even he is out of sorts for some reason. And isn't there a cameo as well coming up from... I from, forgot his name. From Bob Wilson. Bob Wilson. Bob Wilson. I love VTV. I like Vinny. I didn't even hear that wordplay. That completely went over my head. So... He says, we look at a team in a crisis. Will Coach Jackson ever cheer up? And will the rejects ever listen? We'll find out soon. It cuts to a shot of two extras walking down a street and the back of Eddie's colourful shirt. Uh, the two men put food in Eddie's bin, which obviously hasn't been bought from the cafe because we've just seen them walk down the street. Uh, Eddie picks out a pizza box, and says to Priscilla that they're losing so much business to a new pizza parlor, but the bills just keep on coming, she says. And Eddie picks up the stack of papers held together by, I don't know, is it like a steel rod or something, um, shiny thing, and he says something about uh, his, he's so like, um, he's got a shiny bit at the end of his nose because he's so close to the grindstone or something. Now, in previous episodes, we've hardly ever seen anyone else except the rejects frequent that cafe. And yet now apparently there's a cafe up the road, there's something up the road that's taking business from them. That's when, when I saw that, I thought it was the, uh, you know, the episode where Bruno gets the job as a pizza delivery guy, yes. the rivals. I thought it was that one. I'm not sure sure if that may be tying in later, but yeah, they hardly have any customers. But I do like when you mentioned the two extras walking past, I really want to know where they get their extras from because it always makes me chuckle. They really look like they have no clue. Um, <laughs> really badly acted extras. And I don't know if you spotted it, but it, it made me chuckle. In the Graceland Cafe, you get to see the price list. 
Right. And it was some classic 90s price list there with the pound nineteen for like a sandwich and many other very 60p for a milkshake and some great prices. Um, you never get those these days. It was a, I need to pause it and have a good look at that menu. Um, sounds sad, but. <laughs> well, I, I do wonder because that was a cafe afterwards. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. And so I do wonder whether that was the real price list, perhaps. That's a really good question. I think didn't one of your previous guests has actually been there. Yeah. Yeah. Carl. I've to see if Carl, if it was a, was it still the same when he went or had it changed? I feel like he told me the other day, he said that uh, it had changed by that point. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a pilgrimage I would like to have made. I know, because then you look on like Google Maps or something and it was there for a long time and you're like, that's Graceland's Cafe. I'd love to go there. Um, but in this episode, Eddie seems to have had enough of everything and he he is very annoyed pretty much most of the time and he sends two kids out who are chewing gum which kind of shows well there's a reason why people aren't coming here because he seemed to be in this mood um and then he talks about emigrating to memphis and he's got his passport in his hand and i think he either gives it to priscilla or she takes it and she puts the passport in her apron um and Eddie thinks that they can open a cafe down the road from Graceland's and Priscilla says that uh, he must think that she's soft in the head and then slams that shutter down, which is a very funny visual. Very funny. And it sets up the B story too. It does. The B story is kind of a, it all ties in. I was, I was, remember, I was watching it thinking, how are they going to tie this all in? Or I'll, I'll go back to it later on, but I really thought at the first, I thought this is a bit of a throwaway episode. But by the end of it, I changed my mind completely. And it all ties into some key developments in the characters and what makes them and answers quite a few questions as well. And so we fade to the field again. Stuart gives them a dressing down, but the rejects aren't listening. Bruno muses that they scored no goal against Lender Survivor. <laughs> Another classic rejects um, team name that doesn't really make much sense. No, I wrote a, I wrote a few down from this episode. I think there's a Brentford five. It was also a Scottish theme team, but I didn't catch a name for that one. And there was also the Renford Robots, of course. Of course, yes. Um, Jason and and Robin argue, and there's a joke about his killer precinct, which I thought was very funny wordplay. And he says that Summerbee's name uh, strikes fear into the opposition. And, of course, there's something made out of that, you know. Um, and then Stuart announces tactical switches and the rejects make fun. Jason falls backwards off the bench. Ben says, years from now, the descendants of this poor creature will still be slime-sucking mollusks. Again, very wordy, very nerdy, and yet quite witty. Yeah, Ben's got a sharp tongue, hasn't he? Uh, um, definitely. It made me laugh as well because in that epi in that same scene, he's there sat there licking an orange. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure why. <laughs> sat there, the intellectual is sat licking an orange. I mean, with the skin still on. <laughs> I did not notice that. <laughs> I, I pay a lot of attention to the wordplay and the fact that Jason fell off the bench, um, which again was was that physical comedy you were talking about. So. 
The whistle blows for the match to start again. Stuart's still talking. He wants to see them playing as a team. Then we see a montage where, you know, a bunch of things happen. Then Jason misses a header where you don't really see what's happening. It's just kind of implied. No, you can't see anything. He, he, I think camera sh- shoots, uh, cuts to him falling on the floor. The rest of the team gather around him. And then uh, the rest of the game goes goes out the window. So I have a bit of a, yeah, I have a bit of a bone to pick with that. So obviously they start arguing while the game seems to be going on. Now you'd think, wouldn't you, that there would be cooperation between the two teams as to when the game would start again. Because obviously, you know, that's happened. But why is everybody still playing? It's obvious the rejects aren't engaged. Uh, well, funny story, I was used to play a lot of five-a-side football and that kind of behaviour is not unusual. I've uh, We've let a goal in before and the other teams took the kickoff. <laughs> Nobody said a thing. Uh, yeah, so you'll take whatever goals you can get. You'd like to think they're a bit of fair play in there. But um, I'd, I'd have probably, I'd have took it and ran. That says a lot about me. I, th- I think that probably says something about the the act of five aside, I think. I think I'm maybe putting too much emphasis on the rules of the, you know, 11 aside um, game, let's say. So Vinny walks away and he forgets that his mic is still plugged in. So he basically pulls the camera off the <laughs> off the thing. And I do wonder whether that was intentional or some kind of outtake that stayed in there. Um, and he says, in my 40 years as a commentator, I do love the fact he seems to be playing a character. It made me chuckle that bit. It made me chuckle a lot. I think there's the, it's where he walks. There's a few bits in this episode where I wasn't sure whether they were intentional or not. And it's good if they were intentional and they did a really good job acting. There's one bit where Stuart walks off and then he has to walk the other way. Yes. I wasn't quite sure <laughs> if that was part of the script or not. Yes. If that is a piece of of um improvisation then it made the scene even funnier especially in in, in kind of a tense moment so obviously i was going to say, was going to say if it's been 40 years of career for Vinny, i need to know what moisturizer he's using because it looks <laughs> blooming good for about 50 yard exactly considering they're like you know 14 15 years old supposedly <laughs> um so stuart looks angry while Vinny sums up the events and calls back to bob bob wilson appears with the words, get this Vinnie Rodriguez out of my ear, will you? Um, out of my earpiece, will you? And then we cut to Stuart reminding them that they're a team and an argument breaks out. That zany music starts again. Stuart gets more agitated. Um, one thing I noted here was Ben keeps talking about democracy. Um, he's He's kind of got a bone in this. He keeps chasing after this dream of democracy in this five-a-side thing, which again shows the difference, I think, between five-a-side and, you say, mainstream football. Yeah, it makes me, he mentions democracy and throughout the episode, he's always, seems to almost be the voice of reason up until really at the end, he's always like, let's vote on this. Um, with the running theme of how his character is uh, an intellectual, even from his shirts and jerseys that he wears. I was trying to read the one he had on in this episode and I only sp- but a bit about Yuri Gagarin. Whoever's writing him um, and, and dressing him is, is genius. It fits the character perfectly. 
So basically a whole thing breaks out and Stuart tells them they're the worst bunch ever, essentially. And they tell him to remember what the nurse said. He's supposed to be laughing and to cool it. And so he says he will and announces he's leaving as he walks away. As you pointed out earlier, Bruno tells him he's walking the wrong way. Now, note that this was the perfect opportunity for them to um, break character with Bruno. They could have had him say, like they have done in the Barry Grade voice, but instead he's still in the Italian. I noticed uh, his Italian in this episode is a bit up and down. Uh, that was a perfect opportunity. That would have been a real comedic effort if it ever used it in his Brummy accent. But fortunately, that was a, a missed opportunity. But when they're celebrating the goals earlier on, he's shouting double espresso cappuccino. <laughs> Goal Lazio. And it's like, it probably knows about seven or eight words in Italian and just recycles them. But bless him. Yes, I did notice that. Um, and yeah, he tends to repeat these things. I mean, Go Lazio, I think, is the classic one. Um, certainly. I, I can imagine a lot of kids cottoned onto that and if they scored a goal i most certainly did at one point then i was a big football italia fan back then um so definitely i have celebrated running around the room <laughs> screaming that many a time yeah i i did so as well at one point usually with the shirt up that was the great thing bruno introduced that to me um <laughs> and yeah thanks bruno so there are a series of Vox Pops following this with Vinny, with the rejects about rumours that Stuart is leaving. All the rejects deny this. And there's basically a, um, a bit of wordplay that goes on where Bruno goes off into a tangent about um, presents and things because it's pointed out to him, you know, he's like, we're, we're, we're all like brothers. And Vinny says to him, well, what about Robin? He's like, oh, well, brothers and sisters. And then he's talking about one big happy family. And he says, you know, just the ones you like, not the um, auntie with the dodgy mustache, the hunchback and the, uh, and the beard, the ones who give you dodgy presents at Christmas, right? And he says, I mean, I'm 14. She's still giving me Power Rangers. I mean, come on. <laughs> That made me laugh for two reasons. One, because I grew up a massive Power Rangers fan. And for two, it really brought it back. He says he's 14. And you forget, because I don't think it's mentioned much, the apparent ages. And obviously Bruno looks a lot older than 14. Um, but it did make me laugh a, a few times, especially with Ben's banter back when they have a bit of a chat about the Rangers and they try to negotiate a trade. <laughs> or, um... Especially as he's like, you know, I'm 14. It's like, Ben is the grown-up one here. He's the mature one that's that's quoting Shakespeare and talking about despair and and everything. And then he's like, well, I don't have this ranger. So, you know, I can swap that with you, you know. He's never the sharpest tool in the box, is he, uh, Bruno? <laughs> sharpest it's... tool? Is that, the, is that the right phrase? I've got the phrase wrong. Sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Says a lot about me. <laughs> well, then we get a lovely piece of fantasy because Stuart is stood at a podium in the middle of a street with a microphone and he's wearing a suit and tie and he's doing it like a press conference in the middle of a street. And you think they are walking along the road. 
they're talking about the idea that Stuart is staying, you know, he's just having a moment. And yet, Stuart is stood at the end of the road at a podium. Can they not see this? Is this not, is the, or is this just a piece of fantasy? That's what I like with rejects. You're never quite sure. Um, when he's waiting there, because Vinny says, right, over to Vinny several times to himself. He passes over to himself quite a few times in this episode. But you're right, there's definitely an element of fantasy. And I'm never quite sure which bits are which. Well, yeah, because following the announcement from Stuart that he's leaving because of disciplinary problems and, you know, he's resigning and terminating his own contract because apparently there's a contract. Bob Wilson is then used as a segue into the next Vinny scene so that Vinny can carry himself onto himself without it being too you know, daft, I guess. And Bob says here, I want to know who this Vinnie Rodriguez is now, as though he's some kind of hacker that's like somehow tuned into like a radio frequency or something. That's what I'd like to believe. But, uh, uh, well, Vinnie, he was YouTube before YouTube was invented, wasn't he? He was a pioneer. So I'd like to chuck in a hacker as then as well. It always makes me laugh. Yes. And so Vinnie is summing up the situation and then the rejects say they want to be alone with their grief and then we hear the funeral march <laughs> right which is like classic teen sitcom in in the absurdity it is absurd and what i like about renford Rees is it really hits these notes with the uh, the soundtrack funeral march is perfect for the moment they really they really are good with these moments and the players reactions the comedic timing especially on this scene, is spot on. And the, the, the over-crying as well. Big moment. They've just lost Stuart. They've lost Stuart as a fan. I remember back in the day being gutted. Um, we, hopefully it won't be forever, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you just didn't know back in the day. You think, oh, is he being written out? Is he leaving? You know, I've just seen him in such and such. You know, is, is he about to leave? Um, so that podium appears again in the middle of the field. And we get this joke with Jason and the mic not being on. And it's like, but is this podium even real? And he just, he declares himself the new player manager. And you immediately know that this is not going to end well because we know Jason up until this point. So at Graceland's, Jason says there will be more ice cream, less training, more parties, and most importantly, they will win. Ben says that they should discuss it because, you know, democracy. Each member likes a different promise that Jason said, though. And Robin has the final say and says that he can be their manager. But then Ben is left alone with Eddie in the background. Vinny approaches with his camera and he says that they needed a saviour, and they've now found their white knight. Ben says, The king is dead. Long live the king. But why did it have to be Jason? We then go to the break, and I think... I, I said there was a killer line coming up. That isn't the one I was thinking of, but that is a pretty good killer line into the break, isn't it? It's a great line. Ben, I don't think Ben gets as much credit as he deserves in the rejects. I think Ben's one of the only ones who go, Ben and Bruno, the only one who see it to the end. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I, I feel like those Jason. two, well, Jason, I think, yeah, yeah, stays till the end as well. Long live the king. 
I know, but why did it have to be Jason? <laughs> <laughs> and then we see, we see why directly after the break, and I'm getting almost like Dad's Army vibes from like the way that they're lined up, and he's like walking up and down like Captain Mannering. Yes, definitely. And so, yeah, he does a roundup on the training pitch, which we're spending a, t- a lot of time at in this episode. And he says he always thought Ben was a useless keeper and that he wants him in midfield. And he, Jason, will be the striker. Robin asks what she's going to do. Jason says she's a natural keeper. He puts Ronnie up front and Bruno in defence. Bruno tells him he's crazy. Jason says, I'm the gaffer now, so I don't want any more arguing. He says they will beat Renford 5. Robin tells him the power has gone straight to his head. I mean, it has. He's changed the entire team round from their strength. And it's it's a it's a comedic moment as well because you as the viewer know that that is never going to work. It goes against everything the team is and the characters are. And there's some thinly veiled Hitler references there. Yes, as we as we come to um, with this scene. I mean, it's all about Jason, isn't it? It's all about the ego. He wants to boost his own ego. I mean, it's kind of like when a parent takes over a a football team that their child is playing on and their child might have been playing in defense before, but now for some reason, he thinks that that child of his can play up front. I think there must be a a fair few dads that have done that in the past because that's basically what Jason has done here. He's gone, I'm in control I can put myself in the glory seat, even though in episode one, we see that that doesn't work. But uh, yeah, he says they will beat round for five and the the thing. So he replies that uh, he replies to Robin that with him, they will win the league. He puts his hand inside his jacket. Ben is seen behind him and says, yeah, and I guess we invade Poland. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ben's brilliant in this in this episode. Ben is great. They've given him some great lines. Yes, in this one. that really sh- surprised me. I was so shocked mm. by that. I don't think you get those kind of references in children's television anymore. Um, but it, it was uh, it wasn't sufficiently veiled. I guess as an adult, that that was very obvious as uh, what that was referring to it may have gone over my head as a kid. Well, it was the music as well that kind of gave you that feeling, and I think. When I first saw it, I must have been thinking like The Godfather, but in, because of the jacket thing, I guess, and, and some of the the body language, but I got it immediately. And I think I had to pause the episode because I just laughed. I thought, that's the joke, right? That is the, that's the one where if someone says, why are you watching that stupid, you know, teenage show from the 90s? That's no relevant. And it's like, but there's these weird things in them. That's it. It's, when I try to explain to people why I love this show so much, it, it, a lot of it is nostalgia, but also it's, it's still well written. It still stands the test of time, and it just reminds me so much. It's such a snapshot of nine late nineties, like teenage up teenage old young children's life. It makes me feel like I'm there. It, feels, it takes me back. It's like I'm watching myself. Yeah. Because they they do they you know some people I think some experts in the writing field might say oh no no fourteen or fifteen year old kids going to be making World War Two references and it's like 
but some would because that sense, I guess, of appropriateness isn't always there. And so people kind of ban there's a lot of banter in this episode, especially in his reply to it. You see Jason just like like looking forward and he says, I heard that. And did you notice Bruno salutes him? <laughs> I didn't, but that is a brilliant touch with Italian. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> That's, I didn't spot that. That's brilliant. I'm sure I saw him salute him. That's hilarious. I just imagine the writers giggling away when when they've got that. That I did not spot. That's brilliant. That's work. That's genius. Hats off to the writers on that one. So um, we see a transition to a worn out rejects with Robin wearing the oversized keeper shirt. Um, Bruno looks like he has a black eye. Um, and they say so much for, for the new player manager. Robin says it was their worst defeat ever. Bruno points out that they used to lose with Stuart. And Ben says, well, it was more fun when they did that. And so they don't like the way that Jason makes them play. And Ben says they'll have to do something about it. Uh, the camera then moves to an Elvis impersonator. And it's pretty obvious that it's an Elvis impersonator. Um, and so he says the soup is disgusting. Eddie tells Priscilla to pack their bags because they're going to Memphis. Priscilla says no and gives him his suitcase. The customer tries to get free French fries and a burger out of him. And Eddie leaves the cafe in a rage and gives his apron to Jason and says it's all his. That was a bit of a bizarre. That was possibly one of the worst Elvis accents I've ever heard. <laughs> but the soup didn't look great. I'll no. give him that. So the Elvis impersonator was played by Gordon Winter. Um, and this obviously is a, it's just a one-joke character. Uh, they obviously had to do something to, to get Eddie to be in a rage. And I love the fact it's an Elvis impersonator. The one thing he loves so much... <laughs> is winding him up that he wants to run away to the thing that's winding him up. Yeah, he's still, I think in this early series, uh, these early episodes, he's still very much the Elvis guy. And he comes into more as a series. But yeah, there's uh, it's jam-packed with Elvis references, this one, isn't it? There's a lot of Elvis references, as there are in, in every one, I think, certainly up until maybe the beginning of series two when it calms down a bit. So next, the rejects confront Jason about his stupid changes. He asks them to give him one more chance. He says he has a cunning plan, because apparently he's Baldrick. Um, and <laughs> match montage is seen with, with a team, as you mentioned earlier, wearing kilts. Um, and it, they just give up, really, don't they? And Vinny tries to get answers from Jason, Jason blames the the players. He goes on this absolute like tirade about the players, you know, notes that Robin's a girl and Ben's eyesight, Bruno miss kicking the ball and Ronnie being away with the fairies. I mean, at this point, you can see why they're angry, can't you? Because Jason is showing his true colors. Of course, it's the uh, old player manager situation he's going to say things after the game they're going to hear it they're not going to be happy i would not want to be one to get on robin's bad side 
as he finds out in the next scene. But I think this is uh, definitely the end of Jason's time as uh, managerial career. Definitely, because they concede 23 goals and they score none. And Vinny concludes he doesn't have a cunning plan. Well, of course he didn't, because it's just that thing of, well, we'll just carry on and it might get better, you know, playing the striker in goal. Uh, So back at Graceland's, Ben tells them that Stuart has a new team. We then see the Renford robots. And I love the way that Ben announces this. He says it in such a pronounced way so you get what the joke is. <laughs> so you you understand. You're like, yes, the Renford robots. You see them running up and down. Stuart's telling them all these different things. And he asks if... They do everything he says, and they they say in unison, "Yes, you are our coach." And then they just like whir off like like robots. Genius. Another one of those very literal jokes. Um, and all the teams they play are very literal, aren't they? The names give away so much about them. <laughs> Incredible. Robots literally act like robots. Um, I think one day I'd love to make a big list of all the teams in the league and how literal they all are. And I also like to work out how many games they actually win, because I don't think they win that many. No. And, <laughs> and I think as well, that literalness wouldn't make sense. Re- remember in the first episode, when they want to call themselves the Renford Rovers, which doesn't really tell you anything. It's just the name of a team. Rejects is what they are, because they were rejected from the school team. And so that's literally what they are. And so that joke wouldn't make sense, the fact that every team they they play the renford robots you know is like that just wouldn't make sense if they weren't literally rejects that part of the show would just fall to pieces it just makes me think they're sitting in a writing room kind of like what what daft name can we come up for this week (laughs) what silly team can we include renford robots let's go for it (laughs) exactly well it, it further emphasizes Stuart's desire for people to listen and then he finds a team that listens to everything he says. And you can see he's kind of bored by it. Yeah, he's not happy. This is where the cracks start to show. Obviously, Jason's cracks are already showing, and you can just see that he's not enjoying it. He's not happy. And so back at Graceland's, the Renfords, uh, the rejects confront Jason about his comments, and Jason blames the media. Uh, They don't want to be united, and they ask jason to ask Stuart to come back he then confronts him on an exercise machine and i love the way i love the idea that they've said to matthew leach obviously it must be either they put a flannel on his head or they've said to him just just do 10 minutes on that will you (laughs) just look as sweaty as you can please um because he really looks like he's had a he's had a workout he does look like he's had a workout. He looks shattered. And it just brought me back to the old school, you know, like high school comprehensive changing rooms. <laughs> My school one looked exactly like that. Bit of a blast from the past. And so he is convinced to come back. Stuart is watching them play in the next game and he's praising them. And then Ronnie gets taken down inside the box or just inside the box he's really overdoing it he's holding his leg i saw a few comments elsewhere about this episode and this moment in particular 
Is he inside the box? I don't think he is. But I remember five aside I used to play, you couldn't go in the in the box. You couldn't go in the box. Could you? No, you couldn't go in the box. So it might be some five-a-side rule. I can't remember because I definitely remember having a penalty. I can't remember what you did to get one. <laughs> I can't recall. But yeah, that's definitely not in the box. No. Get some get VAR on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, a bit tricky. But uh, yeah. they, they start arguing over who takes the penalty. And I think it's Jason who says, it's my ball. I mean, whose ball is it? <laughs> And why, you know, what what kind of, is this a league? Is this fantasy? Like, what is the the thing? That line really threw me. It made me laugh because it's such a line from being a kid. It's my ball. I'm taking it or I'm going to kind of thing. Definitely a spoiled kid. <laughs> and you can see that in the next bit because they all run for the ball in this penalty. Even Ben at this point probably because of that thing earlier about having not scored a goal and even though we've already seen him fall over it's funny to see him do it again because he's so tall and the the other team then scores i mean again the the play thing but i guess if you've taken a penalty no matter how thing it is then the ball is still in play i guess uh stewart gets angry and storms off and the rejects are on the on the floor shouting evolve <laughs> all the way back back to ben's original comment yes yes i i didn't get that on first and then i think i i thought about it afterwards i was like wait a minute he's refer they're referring back to that and that really shows you really have to listen with this thing there's so many um layered meanings in there that i think as an adult you get a lot more. And on multiple viewings, you get... I think it was definitely written for both children and the parents who were watching it with them. I don't think I really paid much attention to the the dialogue. And certainly, you hear all these things. And it's like, wow, that's in there. You know, it's very clever. And like we've been saying, very very bantery, very teenagery of that period. Oh, yeah. And I think watching it again, I didn't realise how well it was filmed. A lot of the setups um, and the framing is really well done. Well, we mentioned earlier about the Elvis impersonator, the fact that they managed to like swing the camera for one situation. They like walk across and then we like zoom into or walk forward towards that Elvis impersonator and we're directly in that scene and there isn't a cut. And there's something so real about that. So we come back to Graceland's into the closing elements of this episode. So Eddie comes back to find Stuart is behind the counter, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, why Stuart there? Who's told him? Like, he's been out of the loop. And then suddenly, like, he's almost, it's almost like he was the most sensible person to to take over. It makes, yeah, I, I was trying to work out with that. Doesn't she say she's off off to the bank? that where priscilla's gone yes i feel like oh, there is a the bank so they just left one of the local kids man in the fort as you do yeah people that are always looking for like freebies we'll just leave one of the he's he's the one that won't that won't oh, do it. Um, yeah all uh, right you could you could trust you he's the uh, most mature of them i mean that shows you how how not clearly 
Eddie was thinking that he gave it to Jason. <laughs> You'd have no chips left. The chips would be the first thing to go. Exactly. Um, so Eddie comes back and he says that home is where the heart is. And Stuart says that he thought his home was with the rejects, but he says they're all mad, which is pretty much how I remember Stuart. Pretty much every other episode, he says something. He's the only one who seems to go, this is ridiculous. He does. He seems to be like the grounded one throughout the entire first series. It, almost like he, he knows that something's not quite right, that it plays a little bit like a cartoon. And yeah. he's a straight-laced one. And that is why, that's why he gets annoyed, I guess. But he explains the situation, and he says about what happened with them taking the penalty, and Eddie starts laughing, and he says, oh, he starts laughing with him, what we see is them basically breaking up. He says, is that funny? Stuart says, well, they're just what the doctor orders, right? They're much more fun, he says, than a team that does what you tell them. That all gets sewn up quite nicely. Eddie then confronts Priscilla, says he went to Graceland in Memphis and heard Elvis's voice. And he says that his heart was back there and he loved her and he couldn't do without her. And um, he says he says the, the home is where the heart is lying again in an Elvis impersonation. And Priscilla informs him that he actually forgot his passport. And then the closing line is, she's got me again. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we've closed. But like you say... Um, it all ties together quite nicely. Oh, it really does. I think the, laugh, the, the very end where they're both laughing and realising it, like laughter is the best medicine. It turns him with a title, makes him realise that after all, that's what he needed. He needs a good laugh and that's why he sticks around and it's good for his health. Um, he, he, he wasn't one, watching it again, I, I did enjoy it, but it wasn't one of my favourite episodes. Uh, but it is a really easy watch. It's got a lot of laughs in it. And watching it back, the physical comedy is fantastic. And it ties in quite well. It shows all the, the cast's talents. I think they're so comedic in this episode. And all the young, it makes me realise how good of a young actors they all were. They all, they're all brilliant at hitting the points. They're all making me laugh. Even the terrible jokes at the start are so bad, they actually make you laugh. You can't help but not have a smile on your face. Um. I did think at first it was a throwaway episode because nothing, I thought nothing much happens. There's no raises, there's no win. But when you think about it, it actually answers a lot of questions. It tells you, you watch any other episode in the Renfrew Rejects of the series and you think, why on earth does Stuart stick around? This answers it. He sticks around because they're his friends. They make him laugh. It answers that question of why he puts up with them. And I, I think it establishes uh, the fantasy element. There's a lot of fantasy in this episode this um appearing podium that appears everywhere the fact that there's almost this insinuation that like someone cares about this five-a-side football team when really it's just all about them all about them yes the, the, the mysterious moving podium it's it's a it's a really fun episode i did watch it at first first time i watched it i was like this is I'm not this isn't a great episode, but it's a fun episode. And you you know, 
It's a good laugh. I enjoyed it. Watching it back, it made me laugh a good few times. Is it one of my favourites? No, but it's not as bad as I thought it was. You see, I, I was the complete opposite. I thought this is one of the best episodes I've seen. Really? I think, I see where you're coming from. Like when I watched it first, I thought, there's, like I said, no, there's no there's no wind, there's no razors, there's no major development, but there is actually. you just got to look underneath it. It's all there. Yeah, there's so much in there, like you say. And I always remembered that B story more than the A story, which probably says more about it, mainly because of um, Alex Norton's Elvis impression. And that extra, you know, such a striking image, I guess. So cartoony. Um, Very cartoony. In relation to everything else. And like I said earlier, I just love the idea that he's getting annoyed, an Elvis impersonator, while running off. They're almost like, this isn't real. I need to go to where the real thing is. I th it's just wonderful and it, it sets off the relationship in some ways between eddie and priscilla as well which is used a lot of times it's supposed to be chuckle that elvis impersonator comes all the way to graceland down south in england of course and has a soup <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because uh, well i i think the insinuation there is perhaps he's cheap in some way like he he, he wants to get a free burger or a you know, maybe maybe he knows something about cafe soups that they're not very good, so he can he can get a freebie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a soup in a cafe. I don't think I've ever had a soup, but that, this is making me really regret not going making the pilgrimage to Graceland before it shut down. I'd have loved to have gone, and it was there for so long. It was there it's on Google Maps, <laughs> yeah. but no, I wish I'd have gone in another life, maybe. Maybe so. I mean, you never know. It might come back at some point. I think it's some kind of diner at the moment. Uh, so it's it's very similar, I think. But yeah, that was the Best Medicine, um, Series 1, Episode 6. I mean, what an episode. We've both given our thoughts on it. Um, let me know what you think on social media at Re Renford. Um, also, check us out on YouTube as well. Yes, there is a YouTube channel incoming. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Luke, for, for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime. Awesome. Um, thanks for listening. See you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>